This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. A real mixed bag. Um, we were good until the final third, but that little lack of match sharpness showed, I thought, in our, in our creative play. Um, defensively reasonably solid, caught on a few counter-attacks, um, but defended the set play as well. Um, the sending off is obviously then a key moment because I felt we were even in more control in the second half and um, very difficult to win games of football at any level if you're down to 10 men. So that's the lesson we have to learn was, was an unnecessary red card. And I thought Raheem's desire through that period and drive was, was outstanding. So it was, uh, was great that he took that penalty under pressure. And then another lesson we have to learn because to invite the ball as we did and defend it the way we did um, was, was really poor play so in the end we get away with it um, it kind of sums the week up really it's been so difficult to piece everything together and so many challenges and we leave here with a win which was really important some experience for some young players um, but obviously a bit flat because it feels as if in the end we got away with it so Off the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9 that was uh, very frank Gareth Southgate. Um, very honest Gareth Southgate. After England's very lucky 1-0 win at Iceland over the weekend. It's the first Monday show of the brand new season. Yay! Welcome to Off the Ball with me, Ross, and my very special guests. Bob Holmes is here. Hello, Bob. Hello. Good to be back, eh? even if it wasn't very long away. <laughs> no, it's, it's a strange old season. Uh, Arvin Sidhu is also here. Brand new Leeds top, I see Arvin. Very nice. That's the with, most important bit. Hello, everyone. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Hello, everyone. Uh, and Des Corkill. Nice of you to join us, Des. Absolute pleasure. There's a bit of a football overload for me at the moment. Local football and all these internationals and getting ready for the Super League. Oh, sorry, the Premier League. Uh, it's all looking pretty good. Super League was superb this weekend. We'll talk about that in a bit. Um, as usual, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. You can follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. We're going to start with the UEFA Nations League. We heard Gareth Southgate at the start. Uh, England play in Group League A, Group 2, so we'll call it A2. Uh, Iceland nil, England won. It was a dire, dire game, which really burst into life in extra time, really. And, um, well, wh wh where do we start, first of all? Um, Bob, it was a dull encounter. Um, England gave debuts to Phil Foden and all. It, it was clearly, it wasn't working for England. They, they weren't playing football and Iceland were holding them at bay quite easily, weren't they? Yeah, I, I think we should be very grateful for the drama at the end. And the, I'm sure the journalists reporting on this with a thousand word match report to do would have been very grateful because there was absolutely nothing that preceded it. Was there? I mean, no. Dyer, Dyer is being kind, I think. <laughs> um, really. Uh, I mean, this is where you really miss the crowd on these occasions. If, if something happens, you know, a crowd can spark a game to life. I'm but sure Iceland when there's nobody there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, when there's yeah. nobody there, you know, it, it just dies. And um, came back to life thanks to um, Walker, didn't it? Uh, a rush of blood. Uh, 20 minutes from the end, Kyle Walker, 
uh, getting a second yellow and therefore a red. It was, it was a worthy second yellow, wasn't it? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. There was no All question day. about it. Yeah. He lost, he's lost his head, not for the first time. And he's one of the older hands of this England team. And I think he's, he might just have played his last game because there's no shortage of uh, alternatives in that position. Trent Alexander-Arnold came on for him. He's only on the bench because he wasn't uh, match fit. Um, so, yeah, Walker. Uh, so it precipitated a sort of hectic finale. Um, the penalty didn't come till somewhat later. But uh, England were lucky. Um, I think they would have been slammed had they not got the three points. Mm. Um because Iceland are nowhere near as good as they were when they beat England um, no. a few years ago in the in the Euros, famously. Um, and I don't think, from an experimental point of view, Southgate learnt very much because they, it was a complete non-event. Yeah, Foden was disappointing. I think you have to say that here was a chance he didn't take it. Um, you know, he's been written up about so much that I just fear he may not quite live up to it, you know? Um, not, not based on that performance, but based on earlier performances as well. He doesn't seem to have quite the personality to take command of midfield, which is what you need in his position. So um, disappointing all round. Um, you, you know, the only redeeming feature was they got the three points. So they, should, they shouldn't come last in this little group. Uh, they should come second at the very least. Des, can we blame Rustiness for, for this performance? England haven't played since November. It's their first game. It is pre-season. The EPL season starts next weekend. So, Listen, Ross, I'm going to completely ignore your question. and actually just, uh, <laughs> have, have three little rants that I've got. Now, number one is, uh, Bob alluded to it, Phil Foden has been written up as this wonder kid. Jaden Sancho is supposed to be worth a hundred million pounds. Both huge exaggerations. These are both very talented kids. Uh, they're very young in their international careers. Phil Foden has been written off by the press now after his first cap. And it's this immense over-exaggeration and overreaction, which just does no, the game no favours whatsoever. That's number one. Number two is, uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a great game, but um, England's penalty. Do me a favour. Yeah. What? What the heck is this game coming to? Where a defender makes a heroic effort. He hides his hands here yeah. Yeah. on his body. He's contorted in a position, and he instantly gets a penalty against him and a yeah. red card for being <laughs> hit by a football. This is just insanity, and it's in a, a, a little out of the way international game where. These rules are just being accepted as given. And what it is, Ross, it is making football crap. That is what it is making it. It is making it a laughing stock. Um, so, so, so the over-exaggeration is one thing. This is a, a pre-season friendly. Gareth Southgate's tried a couple of things. They haven't all worked. It's not the end of the world. It's not a competition you want, you must win. But heck, the reaction from the press, Foden's passed it. And then <laughs> no reaction whatsoever to, to that penalty. I am just getting incandescent week on week on week by what I am seeing as rank stupidity by the people who are running this fantastic game of football or what was a fantastic game. If, and if we you, can't even blame VAR. 
Well, this is it. There was no VAR. I was fantastic. Just <laughs> fantastic. Let referees make mistakes. That's not a problem. Not a problem. You saw what happened. It was disallowed. Harry Kane looks a bit miff, miff by it. Kane gets on with it. Nobody's the worse. I was just going to say, read between the lines. It's Des Corkill calling out for VAR. <laughs> um, Absolutely not. Marvin, Iceland were just Iceland, right? Iceland were, were unfortunate to sky that last-minute penalty. Really should have tucked that. It should have been at least a draw. Um, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, back to what uh, Des said, that the, the, the England one was never a penalty. But the one for Iceland was a penalty because Joe yeah. Gomez, was, yeah. was, he was very, ca- very callous with, with the way that he kind of bumped into, into the attacker when, 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 when on true on goal. In that sense, um, and you would expect one of Iceland's most dependent players, Bicky Benarsson, with relegated pressure, he will get a move. He used to play for Aston Villa as well. Skyed it high, but another bit, and I'm quite, I'm quite surprised Desen hasn't picked up on this. James Ward-Prowse, before that penalty, he went over to the penalty kick spot, nicely muddled the ground a little bit, kicked it a little bit, made it a little bit uneven. And the reporter had asked Gareth Southgate, "Did you see that?" Gareth Southgate said, "No, I, I didn't see that." Roy Keane has come on and called James Ward-Prowse a cheat because you're not supposed to, in the fairness of the game, go to a penalty spot before some... That's that typical, you know, that typical banter. You say yeah, something, yeah, you get in someone's cricket. mind. This is someone going to a penalty spot, making an adjustment to the field of play and creating an, an uneven balance and a potential opportunity for the penalty to be missed, which is what happened. So in that sense, uh, England really got away with it. Raheem Sterling came out and said we were lucky. Gareth Southgate has acknowledged we came out of it. Some of the things just didn't work on the day. Besides Phil Foden, James Ward-Prowse in the middle for me, not the answer for England. I love James Ward-Prowse. The story of a Southampton boy. He was better when he was moved to the right-hand side. He he? was, he was. But you had options on that bench. You had Mason Mount. You had Jack Grealish. Grealish. Players who could come in and create things. I've never done anything internationally before, so suddenly they're the next big thing. Yeah, no, 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 they're not. They're not, but that's not. James Ward-Prowse has hardly had 10 minutes in an England cap. What do you expect him to go? Be a world-class player within within, within 10 minutes? on that day itself, I didn't expect him to, to, to pull up trees, but you would expect Southgate to say, okay, this is not working. It's not getting the invention that I need. I'm going to bring someone that's going to be able to make this team tick a little bit. He didn't do that. He didn't do that, and they were fortunate enough to get a penalty at the end. So in that sense, not really. But there were a couple of things that worked out for England. Don't get me wrong. Eric Dyer, I thought, looked comfortable at centre-back. Declan Rice won 11 of his um, 11 battles on, on tackle. So he proved that he could play that role. So in that sense, there were a couple of good things for England. But they were fortunate, really fortunate on the day. Well, all three of England's victories in the Nations League have been by a different one-goal margin. It was a 3-2 against Spain, 2-1 against Croatia, and now 1-0 against Iceland. Uh, the other Group A2 match was Denmark nil, Belgium 2. Casper uh, Hjumand, I, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. He's the new Denmark coach. Um, but yeah, I mean, Belgium. Belgium are just rolling along nicely. Um, they, they've got world-class players. R- Lukaku was kept quiet, but you, you know, you've got Dries Mertens popping up with an assist and a goal. Uh, Denmark are classified as one of the best football sides in the world. Would you agree, Bob? 
Uh, no, uh, I wouldn't. You mean football, footballing football sites, passing to feet and all that sort of thing, do you? Um, they, they do a bit of that with Christian Eriksen, um, but uh, I don't think there are any great shakes. Um, Sorry, when I said Denmark, I, mean, they, I meant Belgium. Oh, Belgium, Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yes. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I, I all right. I, I won't repeat what I said. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Belgium, certainly. Yeah. And all that. No, no, Belgium. Um, Belgium. Up, up there. They, they should be winning tournaments. They sh they sh should or could still win tournaments. Yeah. Um, they, they, I mean, they've still got essentially the same team that they had at the last World Cup. Um, they're, they're getting on a little bit, but uh, probably just about at their peak now. Um, so yes, they definitely are. Uh, they're contenders for this. I think they'll beat England in the coming game this week. Um, and so they'll top the, this group, but they'll be in a position, a strong position. To no, England, in are, England are playing Denmark next game. Uh, next it's game, the yeah. Next, in it's the, the next break. It, the decider, the yeah, decider, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, the, in the group, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're strong contenders, as always. Um, Denmark, worth mentioning Martin Braithwaite, I think. <laughs> the unheard of... Well, well Barcelona's um, this, Martin Braithwaite. Barcelona, yes, the nobody, <laughs> supposed nobody. He's actually a Danish international. Played it, he got quite a few caps. Um, but uh, with a name like Martin Braithwaite every, and, he, and a pass, I think he played for Middlesbrough at some stage and uh, everybody thinks he's a he's a journeyman Englishman but he's actually a Dane who has scored a few goals for Denmark um, he played uh, yeah I mean it was it was dull stuff I mean you've you've got to get on to the probably the later games we will talk about for any spark I don't think this is entirely a surprise I mm. mean we've had the uh, extended season and you've got a strange situation, and Gareth Southgate um, alluded to it, that the fittest players, the one uh, in the squad, were the ones that have been playing. Now, that doesn't sound much like rocket science, but you might think otherwise. You might think after this elongated season that the players who were involved in Europe at the later stages, after the restart, like the Man United City uh, players in particular, would be knackered by now but no they're fit because they've been playing it's the guys that have had the break that are not yet up to match fitness mm. and harry kane is one of them a classic example this is worth telling i think because he's the england captain he was on holiday in the bahamas when bahamas was made a, a quarantine destination in which case he had to he had a choice he had 24 hours either he comes back and uh, ends his holiday and gets fit for spurs in england or he stays there and has to suffer quarantine he stayed another week then he came back and had two weeks quarantine so he, all he's done is working on his gym at home he's not anywhere near match fitness mm. now i wonder i mean is this this is the england captain here i mean shouldn't he have been a bit more responsible you yeah know? well <laughs> you know i mean he gets away with it doesn't he, he um, does. i mean highly paid and all that and he can't uh, cut back on his holiday to get back in time to avoid two weeks of quarantine and lack of match fitness and the season starts on saturday yeah 
Yeah. So if he's if he's if he's a shadow of his self for Spurs, you'll know why. All right. That's a that's a great point there from Bob. Let, let's move on and look at some of the other UEFA Nations League matches. Sweden nil, France one for Group A three. Kylian Mbappe still looked good, but uh, the the front three they had they had what uh, Griezmann, Mbappe, and um, who was on the other side? Giroud. Giroud, Giroud. Giroud in the yeah, middle. Giroud, Thank your front, pardon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Didn't work, did it? Des Corkill. Again, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to say, you throw these guys together, they, they play together for uh, what, about yeah, four or five Yeah, but they're champions. Sessions. People expect, don't they? Yeah, it's called a team. Ross and teams need time to gel and teams need time to work together. That's why the international managers request time with, with, with teams. And then where, where we suddenly come in, or uh, you in this case, are suddenly coming in and saying, they should be world beaters instantaneously. That was the point I was alluding to before. If they were that good, they would be absolute world beaters instantaneously. But this is football where it's a team. And the team must function. And yes, you can, you can have your star players, but the team must function. They must understand who plays where, what runs are being made, whether Griezmann likes to drop deep, will he go wide? Does Mbappe need it in front of him or one foot behind him? So you don't know these things until you've played four, five, six times together in succession. And international teams don't have this opportunity. Mm. That's why tournament football is so important because teams grow into these things. They stumble, ideally, uh, the, the team to win generally stumble in the early stages and then grow and learn and improve and hit their peak towards the latter stages. So I don't know what you're expecting, uh, well, because it's not Harlem Globetrotters. Um, they're not being, uh, uh, so, so I really don't know what you're expecting. France, you've got to be functional. You've got to be difficult to beat. It's a, it's a great goal by Mbappe. He did get two deflections to get him there, but it's a, a lovely finish. Yeah, post, now, though. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, yeah that, that, that's an easy, that's, that's an easy journalist. Should never be beaten near post. He's got his angles right. It's it's a beautiful finish. Millimeters, clipped it. yeah. He clipped it beautifully. It's a, it's a great goal. I'm not blaming the goalkeepers no. for that. Um, no, no, no. But I, I don't know what you expect, Ross. If you're expecting Harlem Globetrotters, go and get your video games out. You can get brilliant, brilliant games all the time. This is a team trying to learn and develop and grow. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm expecting. I was expecting at least a 2-0 scoreline, especially when you're given a penalty, uh, which Anton Griezmann did not put away, Arvin Sidhu. Okay, um, so I agree with Des in a sense that International football doesn't get the continuity that it needs. It doesn't. The, the, the national managers get hardly any time to work with these players. They, they, quite, it's quite difficult to build a rhythm. But Antoine Griezmann, now, this is a player who has missed his last three penalties for France. He skied a, dra a drag back by Luca Dean by, I think the ball could have ended up outside the stadium. He's had a really poor season at Barcelona, which it hasn't worked out for him. So with France, you've got a situation here where Giroud is the dependable one that kind of brings everything together, where you've got Kylian Mbappe's career is going this way, and you've got Antoine Griezmann who's going this way, and it has been for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It has been for a while for Antoine Griezmann. So that's a genuine concern, not just with France, but with Barcelona as well. It's quite interesting to see how Ronald Koeman is going to kind of work this out with Barcelona. He's kind of come out and said that Griezmann's going to be 
one of my main guys. I don't think it works when you have him and Messi together because they kind of get in their same way. But with France overall, um, the three-four-three didn't really seem to work with them on the night itself. Um, they had a good their debut for Dyer Upakamano. I thought yeah. he came in and did really yeah. well. Uh, Varane is there to guide him in that sense. Angolo Kante is looks like he's pretty much getting back to his best. And interestingly, Ma- uh, Marshall first game for France since two thousand and eighteen. So. Yeah. 13-minute cameo, and he did yeah, all but, right, didn't he? Yeah, but re- reward for him for a good season with Man United. So, yeah, um, France could be better. Uh, more tougher tests to come along. So, Lindelof brought down Marshall for Griezmann to miss the penalty. It was obvious they needed Fernandez to take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, in the other Group A3 game, Portugal absolutely creamed Croatia 4-1. João Cancelo, João Felix, uh, Andre Silva, Diego Jota with the goals. Uh, Bruno Petkovic scored one for Croatia. We're going for our first break. We will continue with the UEFA Nations League right after this. Where's the try? <laughs> And he's always prepared to give it a go. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Captain, leader, legend. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. First Monday show of the brand new season. Off the ball with myself, Ross, along with Bob Holmes, Arvin Sidhu and Des Corkill. Taking a look at the UEFA Nations League and we've got to talk about Spain. They were, they play in Group A4. Um... 4-0 win against the Ukraine. Barcelona's 17-year-old forward, Ansu Fati, broke a 95-year-old national record to become Spain's youngest goal scorer. Now, Des Corkill, I know you spoke about how the press were, were building up and then taking down the likes of Foden and, and all that and all the England young players. But I think, or, not speaking up for the press or in their defense or anything, I think that when you're, when you're looking at the youngsters that Spain's producing, you, you know, your, your Ansu Fati's and all that, that, that's why they may be a little bit harsh on the likes of Foden and co. Uh, well, you're not comparing like for like. Ansu Fati was given a debut who is very impressive. They parked him No, but the you, you've wing. got all more. You've they got all, fed the him. whole Spanish, Spanish. They fed him with the ball. They played to his strengths and they gave him the ball. I think it was about 11 times in the first half. So they gave him lots of the ball and he created three or four stunning runs. A wonderful goal. I do need to go back though to the penalty that he, in inverted commas, won. Mm. Because he cheated for the penalty. You've got a 17-year-old and it's perceived as being okay to cheat. We, we mentioned it before. Cheating is fine. I didn't mention James Ward Prowse earlier on because cheating is accepted. I think it's an abomination that a 17-year-old kid with all this talent has to resort to cheating. Ah, but he won't get to the top if he doesn't cheat. What does that tell us about standards? But a great, great debut. Terrific. Well done. Brilliant. James, James uh, sorry, that. James Ward Prowse allegedly said that he was learning the dark arts from Ralph Hassenhutl, the manager of Southampton, um, who comes over as a very urbane, uh, gentlemanly type in uh, post-match interviews. But that's what he said. But th- um, this, and that, do, do but you all he... agree that, I, I know Des hates it, but it is part and parcel of modern football, the dark arts, the going down exaggerating so that the referee will give the penalty, right? Yeah, it cheating, doesn't make cheating, it right, cheating. though, does it? I, I agree, Absolutely. Des. I agree it's cheating, but 
We'll call it out, Ben Ross. Call it out. Well, what, what, what will that do? I mean, we, we can call it out every week, but... If enough people call it out, then people will change. Okay. If enough people call it out. All right. Well, sticking with Spain and coming to you, Arvin, I know you've got lots of nice things to say about the young Spanish generation. Eric Garcia, 19, made his debut. He came on as a second-half sub. Uh, Ferran Torres looks all right, doesn't he? Man City's new signing. You've got Daniel Olmo in at central midfield. It's a, it's a young generation and, and it, very promising as well. Yeah, I think Luis Enrique has got, he's just got back into the job. But I, I believe every successful team requires a very healthy balance between your experienced pros and very promising youngsters. Obviously, you've got pros like, like Sergio Ramos and such in the squad but, and Rodrigo up front in, in, in striking. But the youngsters that this, this team has, I, I've, I've struggled to see anywhere else in the world where you've got a national team with this amount of outstanding youngsters. Sergei Raguelon at left back yeah. had, had, was, was man of the match on the day. And he, didn't even, he wasn't even involved in any of the goals. He didn't even score any of the goals. Daniel Omo, like you said, has been doing it well with RB Leipzig. Uh, Ansu Fati, I, I agree with this. He, he went down very easily for that goal. But he was outstanding on the night itself. Overhead kick, cleared off the line. Curl over goal, assist for, for Sergio Ramos. For a 17-year-old, yeah. yeah. And that's what they've always been saying in Barcelona over the years, that La Masia has let... Exactly, where La Masia has has let go a lot of their youngsters, but they've done really well to keep Ansu Fati and Ferran Torres. Man City have got quite a player on their their right wing. And Jesus Navas provides that maturity at right back. So for me, Spain, as defined, is the best balance between a very stable group of experienced pros and outstanding youngsters. So for me, Mm. the best balance of that in world football currently right now. Can I just say something about uh, Fatty? He's he's got a great backstory. Uh, You know, he's from uh, Guinea-Bissau. He yep, was born yep. there, what a tiny uh, little republic. Went over when he was like five or West six Africa. or something, right? Six years old, yeah. Uh, his dad went over the, to Spain, um, having read about this little town near Seville that is supposed to be a communist paradise. And they've got a statue of Che Guevara. And everything is equal there. The houses are all identical and all that. And he thought... Uh, I'm a poor African guy. I might have a chance there. And he went. And at first, he didn't uh, do so well. He ended up begging in the street. Anyway, he met the mayor of the town. And the mayor took a shine to him and helped him. He got him a job. So once he had a job, he brought his uh, wife and kids over. And uh, Fatty was one of the kids, six years old. And he was brought up there in this place, and Seville thought they were going to get him. He was an absolute sensation, even before La Masia got him Mm. at Barcelona. Uh, He was a sensation at at six or seven years of age. And uh, the whole town used to to go and watch him play, you know, at at that age. And uh, he, uh, he developed and He's, he's become, I think, he, he really is a bit special. I don't want to talk him up. I don't want to incur Dez's wrath here. Yeah. But uh, he, he, does look, he does look very tasty indeed. <laughs> and when you think, you know, Barcelona, uh, if they could sort out Griezmann, they've got Messi and this kid, uh, they ought to be scoring a few goals next season, hadn't they? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm Absolutely. Martin Braithwaite. 
let's not, let's not forget Mr. Braithwaite. Okay. Um, all right. Well, one thing good about the Nations League is it pits nations together. I mean, Spain's group uh, A4 also contains Germany and Switzerland. Uh, surprisingly, that played out as a 1-1 draw. Uh, the Germans don't like the Nations League, apparently. <laughs> I don't think they've, they've won yet in the Nations League. But um, I know, Des, you're going to say it's just a friendly, it's just pre-season and all that. But um, what do you think about this German side? Are they rebuilding? What's yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm a, I'm a fan of the Nations League. I think it's an opportunity. I think international football is very important. And this puts uh, semi-serious... Um, yeah, it's better than in meaningless friendlies, a- right? Absolutely. And so this was a competitive game and Germany have, uh, have used their squad. I think they used 20 different starting players in their two matches in the, uh, in the Nations Cup. So um, they're trying things out. They're not losing. They're still going to be competitive. Of course, they're going to be competitive. Um, Switzerland will be thrilled to bits with the, the, with, with the results. I'm a big fan of international football. Uh, uh, and, and these games are important to give young players... Uh, opportunities to see if they can cut it at a slightly higher level. It's kind of like the League Cup or the Carabao Cup of international football is, is, is um, the Nations League. And you want to win it, but it's not the end of the world. If you don't, Germany are treating it in exactly that way. And so are Spain, actually, because they've used their squad. Yeah. England, uh, uh, we'll, we'll see if they use their squad. P- teams are trying things out because the real important thing is obviously the European Championships, if they ever happen again, and the World Cup, if it's allowed to happen <laughs> in <Qatar laughs> 2021. Big if underlined in triplicate. Um, All right, let's quickly talk about the Irish and the Welsh. They are playing in League B. Now, Giggs is kind of forced to use his squad. It's a very young, untested side they put up. But they've come out with two wins out of two. The latest being a 1-0 win against Bulgaria. Liverpool's Neko Williams uh, coming on as a second-half substitute to head in. Uh, for uh, Giggs's side. What do you make of this young Welsh side then, Bob Holmes? Um, good future? Yes, I think so. Uh, they just definitely. lack a I bit of Ryan... cutting edge up front maybe, right? Yeah, that's always been the problem uh, for, for Wales um, and Ireland. Um, it, well, for not always Wales. They had Ian, a certain Ian Rush at one time. Yeah. But um, since then, uh, they get goals from other places. And Gareth Bale, of course. Although uh, Gareth Bale managed to get through 90 minutes, but um, wasn't quite firing, um, understandably, because he's, I think he's only played 48 minutes since the pandemic hit. Yeah, but that's, 28 that's rounds since- of golf, though, Bob. Ah, uh, well, it's, yeah, but... His handicap's <laughs> terrific. His <laughs> handicap's really good. Yeah. Well, he'd, he'd uh, benefit from the 90 minutes in this game, certainly. And uh, I think Wales are in a good place because they've got him. They've got Alan, Aaron Ramsey to come back. So they've got two top-notch players with experience to sort of marshal these youngsters. And some of them are quite tasty, aren't they? Um, Brooks is a, is a pretty uh, useful-looking player. They've got uh, David James of United, who started off with a bang, and then people forgot about him. But uh, he's, he's not a bad little player. Um, so Wales, yeah, at this level, they could go far. 
Um, and of course, they got to the semi-finals of the uh, Euros not so long ago. Mm -hmm. um, so they're they're in a different class to uh, Ireland and and Scotland at the at the minute, definitely. Um, so I, I they, they could be dark horses for this tournament actually. Yeah. Not that it means very much, but it would mean something to them because yeah, they've never they, won anything internationally. They're developing a happy habit of finding a way to win. In the other League B4 group match, it was Ireland nil, Finland won. Stephen Kenny as Irish boss suffering his first defeat. Frederick Jensen with the 64th minute winner there. Right, we're going for another break. Stick with us back right after this. Because whilst he's there, it's been very difficult for other clubs to get near them. He's that good. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Captain, leader, legend. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, welcome back. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Ross here along with Arvin Sidhu, Des Corkill and Bob Holmes talking football twice a week, Fridays and Mondays. Yeah, back on Off the Ball. Do tweet us at BFM Radio. Do follow us on social media as well. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. This next segment is kind of dedicated to Des Corkill, really. Now, it's Malaysian football. A massive game at the weekend. Round six of MSL fixtures. Now, MSL is going on because Malaysia would have been playing a qualifier. Massive game, but that's been obviously called off because of COVID. So, the MSL has been given permission to continue. Friday night, we saw JDT hit poor old Perak Des Corkill for seven. I was watching it on Twitter, first of all. And then the tweets just kept coming, coming, coming. Um, I felt for poor old Perak. But JDT are awesome, aren't they? Yeah, firstly, I must, for sponsor reasons, tell you it's the Liga Super Malaysia sponsored by CIMB. CIMB Liga Super Malaysia. I, I omit it so that you highlight that. it like that on purpose. <laughs> But uh, so what we're saying, we, we hoped when we came back after lockdown that Johor might be a little bit rusty and really not get their game together. Then they went to Kwantan and beat Bahang 3-2 and they were scintillating against Perak. Um, you, it's the, uh, the fourth highest or the, the second 7-0 that there's ever been in the uh, Liga Super Malaysia. The biggest ever victory was a 9-0 victory. Perak have won 7-0 in the past, but this is the worst ever defeat Perak have had. Um, but Johor was simply excellent. For 20 minutes, it was competitive. Then Afik Fazal scored a gem into the top corner on the billiard-like uh, pitch that is... Um, Beautiful uh, pitch, isn't it? It's a lovely pitch. It's a great facility. It's um, a genuine world-class stadium. And so Johor keeps setting these standards. And you, I feel a little bit sorry is not the right word for Perak because um, they've not really had a chance to invest in their squad. It was their second-choice goalkeeper who was in, although he's played five games already. But he looked a little bit overawed. Not that he had any real chance with uh, any bar. Maybe the fourth goal, he, he, he could have done better. But this was wave after wave of Johor attacks. Uh, Cabrera was top class. I think for... Fazale was excellent. Nacho Incher in the heart of midfield was, was prompting. Diogo was himself. But they've got a kid called Ramadan Shaifullah who has taken over a starting spot from Safawi Rashid because Safawi is, we understand, bound for the Portuguese yeah. League. So, uh, so Ramadan has been promoted up from JDT2 into JDT1. They're big on their youth development. They use JDT2 as a development team. One of the big um, ambitions of the club, I know Alastair did very well, is, is to get more Johorians or more locally produced players into the first team. And 
and they they do what they say they're going to do. They they've invested heavily, but then they they are now reaping the rewards of that investment. And seven nil in the end could easily be in ten or eleven. Yeah, and and he's not kidding. Uh, that that win means that after six matches, JDT have a six point lead over the second place team. Now Tranganu were expected to be the challengers, Arvin. Um, they went to Malacca, shock 1-0 loss, you have to say, based on, on form going into the game. Um, but credit to Malacca, they, they're here to stay. They're proving every season that they are a Super League team. Yeah, and, and I mean, both the teams actually went in on good form. I mean, Tranganu with two wins prior. Uh, I, I was watching some, I didn't watch the game, I watched the highlights. I, I know Lee Tuck had a good chance for Tranganu at the beginning part. But I had to ask Des because, I mean, he covers this. Was that a goal for Malaka? Because there was an obvious foul on the Tranganu defender on the left-hand side. And then um, Malaka go and the assist goes for, for Uche Agbe to score. It looked like a foul on the build-up to that goal. So that was quite an interesting bit that I picked up. But yeah, I mean, Tranganu expected to challenge, but faltering in this one at Malacca. So I'm quite keen to get Dez's views on that. Uh, yeah, you've seen them. You've seen fouls given, but the referee played play on. And so if a defender goes down, I always say this, if a defender falls to the floor, unless it's a blatant push or something that he really can't afford to, if, if that's my team, I'm really having a pop at the, at, at the defender. Um, mm. it's, but, but Sonny Nord, my, he's a Haitian international. Boy, yeah. has that boy got some motor on him. He is rapid. And then he pushes, uh, sent the ball over and uh, Uche Agba scored the, the only goal. But Trungano were disappointing. Uh, they, they were off the back of a, an excellent victory over Saba. They looked, they looked apart, but they never really turned up. Malaka under Zainal Abedin Hassan, the old centre-forward, come centre-back, uh, all-rounder, the legendary Zainal. Legend. Very organised. They're difficult mm. to break down. He's, he's turned himself into a very organised coach, which is very unlike his, his, his playing days when he was wild and aggressive. Now his team are, are very functional and that's their second 1-0 win. They had three points deducted um, for administrative purposes. If they hadn't had those three points deducted, they'd be second in the table and with a chance of competing with Johor. Hmm. Well, Selangor, happy to report, won a game. So the pressure on, on Coach Sathya is, is lifted. <laughs> you don't see a Coach Sathya outburst on social media this week. But um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're fallen giants. But I mean, a, a, a much needed 2-1 uh, away win uh, to Sabah. Pushes Selangor up to fifth now. Um, what are your thoughts on Selangor this season, Des? Um, have they been disappointing? I mean, they got Brendan Gunn in the ranks, and they got some, Rufino is maybe showing his age a little bit now. So this this was a, a, a really really good game of football, a, a terrific game of football. Sabah are difficult to break down. They play four four one one, and the very first touch the Pornovic had in the second half after a battering. From, from Selangor, Pornovic scored, and so he got, oh, poor old Satya. The cameras go to Satya. Look for, <laughs> Immediately. Look for the reaction. And he turned his back, at, and he was walking away from our cameras. But, but Selangor, to their credit, they, they came back. Satya tried something new. He played three at the back, which he's not done before. He's got five attacking players, Sandro, Segovia, Ifadeo, um, uh, and, and then he introduced a, a, a Brendan Gann in the midst of that as well. So he was playing all his attacking players. They went 1-0 down. He introduced one Zach Heichel uh, on the right-hand side and, and, and suddenly there was this, it was almost like the old-fashioned 2-3-5, which I'm sure you remember, Bob, um, where, where teams just 
push forward as much as they, sorry Bob, as much as they possibly can. And the reward was uh, a, a thrilling comeback. Uh, they, they got the win and they got themselves back into an, a possibility of a, a title chance because next week Johor have got to go to Tranganu. And if they were to slip up the week after, Johor take on Selangor. So this isn't over. It's a sprint, but it's not over. Johor got a six-point lead, but there are other teams in this equation. Is that right, Bob? Two, three, five. Is that the formation? <laughs> yes. Uh, it was all there was for about 50 years or, leave, or longer. Um, no one had ever thought of changing were, were it. Were they all high-scoring matches then? Were they like 14-12? No. Uh, there probably were a few more goals. I, when I was a kid, I do remember high-scoring games, so yes. But um, that was it. Two full-backs. Uh, <laughs> a, a right half. There were th such things as wing halves. Wing half. And a centre half. Yeah. And an outside right, inside right, centre forward, inside left, outside left. So that's how it was for, for donkey's years, decades. I mean, it had started... Um, ironically enough, football, when it, when it first started, uh, they did play more like today with a pressing game. And the Scots were the first to introduce what Pep Guardiola has been given a lot of credit for um, in terms of passing and having uh, rondos and uh, passing to feet, keeping the ball on the ground and short passing, little men. That sort of thing. That's how football started. And then you had the, um, the English guys who played in the posh schools, bigger guys, and it was all out attack. They didn't bother <laughs> with defense at all. You were considered a coward if you defended. The thinking was completely different. But that was even before my time. The, I've good, old read about days. That. the good old days. Um, yeah. Saturday's matches in MSL round six saw Kada beat PJ City 2-1. UITM beat Pahang 1-0. Pahang are, are reeling a little bit, Des, aren't they? UITM won Pahang nil. Nobody would ever, ever, exactly. ever have imagined that. It's a team of students bolstered by four foreigners, well organised by Frank Van Hart. Uh, something is clearly awry at, at Pahang behind the scenes because uh, after, they were well beaten the week before by Johor. They've got good players. You look at that starting eleven that they had, plus the, the men on the bench. Um, they've got good players, but they've lost at UITM. That's... It's, oh, that, you, that just does not happen. So no. real credit to UITM. Um, I, I thought they would be whipping boys uh, in this league, but they're, they're not. They're dogged. Frank Benhart has got his team playing um, aggressive. They know what they, they can do. They've got four good foreign players. And um, that, that's just a, a top-class draw. I tell you what, if that is the equivalent of... Remember when Watford beat Liverpool last year? Mm. That's, that's the equivalent. Yeah. Or, or, or even, even worse, when Hereford beat Newcastle in that famous FA Cup tie yeah. in, in, in the yeah. early 70s. That's the equivalent of this, and yet we don't hear about it. MK Dons doing Man United. That's what it is. <laughs> no, United, United are better than that. Um, all right, round seven. <laughs> round seven sees those UITM boys with a, with a big test. They're away at Perak. Tranganu versus JDT, as Des mentioned, is massive. Selangor take on Malacca United. That's equally massive. On Saturday, it's Felder against Kedah Pahang 
in a must-win game against bottom side P- PDRM. And then you've got PJ City against Sabah. That's your MSL update. We're going for our final break. Talk about the football you can expect this week, tonight, tomorrow morning, and more next. Build a mentality in that dressing room that's powerful, strong, made them feel like they're unbeatable. What a coach. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. The serial winner has got another trophy for the cabinet. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back. Des, Arvin and Bob, along with myself, Ross, looking at the UEFA Nations League. Uh, League A1, massive game tonight. Netherlands take on Italy, 2.45 a.m. It's a big game in, in any language at any time of the year. Um, it's actually got Nations League points attached to it. Uh, it's going to be played at a Johan Cruyff Arena. Um, then what? Holland won 1-0 uh, against Poland. Steven Bergwijn with, with the strike the last time out. Do you fancy the Dutch over the Italians here, Bob? Uh, yes, I do, actually. Um, I think Good, they've got a bit of because I'm wearing a Holland momentum. T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Um, yeah, I mean, Ronald Koeman, now at Barcelona, actually did a, a decent job uh, in charge of the Netherlands. Probably one of his more successful stints as a manager because he, he hasn't actually got a brilliant CV as a coach which has um, led to some criticism uh, of, from Barcelona fans. But getting back to uh, Netherlands, he's got some young uh, bloods there um, that are coming on quite nicely. And um, they, they are doing pretty well in, in this tournament. They, they did okay in its first incarnation. And Italy uh, are in a sort of transitional period, I think. The... Italian league, Italian football itself, is not in a vintage era, um, nor is the national team. And uh, I think Netherlands have probably got the edge here. Looking at the Italians, as Bob mentioned, probably under transition uh, with Roberto Mancini at the helm, but still, Arvin Sidhu, 15 international games unbeaten. Okay, it was a 1-1 draw against Bosnia last time out. Kind of stopped their winning run. Because in those 15 undefeated, there were 12 wins. So slowly, Mancini is trying to, trying to get Italian confidence back. And of course, they missed out in the World Cup last time out. Horror. That can't happen again. No, they can't. And uh, he's steadily been growing the influence that he has on this team. The, the one bit that will be really funny is that for this game, he will get Giorgio Cellini on the bench instead of Francesco Akerbi because in the previous game, he said that he had missed out Cellini because he didn't have his glasses on when he was looking at the lineup. So he missed that, that, that game against, against Israel. But yeah, I mean, against Bosnia, but he's going to be in the lineup. But yeah, you're right. There are a couple of quite bright sparks that he's looking to bring in for this squad. Chiro Immobile, the, the top scorer in Serie A, will come in. Nicola Zainor is great at Roma, a youngster that will come in. Uh, but the back has always been, I mean, we always 
loud about Italian defensive solidarity, the way that they defend, but they've got a couple of defenders there that are really long in the, in the tooth and nail. I mean, Cellini, Bonucci, they've been there forever. Uh, so you would look at the likes of Memphis Depay, who's got a really good record with Holland, actually. 11 and they're good at home games. as well, yeah. And they're good at home, yeah. So uh, Memphis Depay will, can, can cause problems with his spill, with his, his, his skill and his speed. Um, so yeah, I, it's going to be a really interesting game, but 1-1 one, one for me on this one because both the teams have got some changes that are going to happen. Virgil van Dijk will play in centre-back, but they are looking for his partner. The link is out. Daily Blind, we know, had that unfortunate scare health-wise. We all hope that he's in a better state right now. Uh, who will come in? Maybe Joel Wittman, who's actually moved to Brighton. So both the teams, a bit of transition, a bit of changes. Fits up well for a nice 1-1 one, one draw. In my <laughs> there you go. Predictions as well. It's a League A1 match, that one. Netherlands against Italy. It's tomorrow morning, 2.45 a.m. kickoff. Also from League A1, Bosnia will be playing Poland at 2.45 a.m. Uh, going to talk about England now. What's England going to do differently, uh, Des Corkill, when they take on Denmark on Wednesday morning? Uh, well, would you... Would you con- Continue with Foden in midfield, for example, or would you try something different? Let me just put my glasses on just to make sure I've got the, the team lineups right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. That I hadn't heard that one. That's a fabulous story about uh, the, the Italian um, lineup. Um, yes, you give Phil Foden opportunities. Yeah. If you if if you don't uh, if if you don't persist with somebody, if you if you decide. This fella who was messy last week and is rubbish this week, and you throw him out, it, it, it's not going to work. Uh, it's not going to work like that. that I, I'm a big fan of England playing three at the back, so uh, I suspect there's a possibility that Conor Cody might come in and England might uh, try to go back to three at the back that, that, that they've done in the past, but this time with a genuine sweeper. Uh, Conor can step out from, uh, from the back up to front. This might be a, an opportunity, unless the pressure really is on to try and get a victory against Denmark. And yes, it is, but it, it's, it's not. It's Carabao Cup. You can afford to, afford to lose it. <laughs> yeah, the Carabao but, but, um, Cup of international football. Brilliant. But, but, uh, so I would like to see that three at the back because that then releases Chilwell when he's fit. is a terrific fella going forward. And Trent Alexander-Arnold as well down the other side. It, it just might give England a little bit more, more potency. It gives Gareth Southgate something to think about, that he, he can revert back into it. And he'll learn more about his players. So maybe a change of formation is on the cards purely as experimentation. But so long as they don't lose, I think that's important for England. Bob, it'll be a chance for Harry Kane to try and get more fitness for the season. <laughs> <laughs> if he starts. No, I'm sure he will because he, uh, for Spurs, there have been many occasions when he hasn't been fit, even by his own admission. Do you but reckon he, he somehow... gives the team talks like he does for Tottenham? <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past he, yeah, he's capable of scoring a, a, a pretty decent goal, even when he's not fit. Yeah. That's the thing he has in his locker. And I don't think any manager would uh, willingly dispense with that. So, yeah, he'll start. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if Mason Greenwood starts. I mean, he came on for Harry Kane uh, in, the, uh, in the game against Iceland. He probably looked the best minutes. of all the substitutes, didn't he? Yeah, well, I think he deserves a bit of a longer run. I mean, even if it doesn't start, I think he uh, deserves a half or, or 35 minutes or so on the field rather than a few. 
Um, yeah, he's a pretty cool uh, customer, Mason Greenwood. He looks like he's got the temperament for any class of football. He's not overawed by the big occasion, as strikers uh, usually aren't. They, I mean, to score goals, to score a lot of goals, there's pressure on you anyway, isn't there, at any level. Um, so th- he's, he's got that about him. He's a natural finisher. And, and I think that equates to being a, you know, a, an international footballer yeah. who's not going to be phased. So, yeah, um, I think Southgate will, will tinker with the team. No uh, fundamental changes. Um, one, one or two other guys. I, I think it's up to Jaden Sancho to spark to life again. I mean, he was written up um, to the extent that, player. yeah, yeah, Dortmund were obviously reading the British tabloids, Des, and uh, <laughs> asked for 100 million for him. Um, Manchester United wisely have balked at that, and, but they're still interested. I think they might be hoping to get him for 80 or 90 in the Arden. last days of the uh, transfer window. We'll, we'll wait but till after the Denmark game and see, see if his value drops a bit more. Arvin, <laughs> w- w- would you give Jack Grealish a run out at any point? against Denmark. I would give Jack Grealish a run out. Right. I would give Jack Grealish a run out, but in the interest of not being biased, but giving a first cap, I would also give Calvin Phillips a run out because I think Calvin Phillips in the middle of the park. I mean, I I said it earlier, Declan Rice played well. He played well against Iceland, no doubt about it. But I think Calvin Phillips comes and gives a very different mindset to how football should be played compared to your standard Declan Rice. So for me, Calvin Phillips to come in, Jack Grealish to be given an opportunity to create a little bit better. I agree. I agree in the sense that if England... Um, they draw, it's not the end of the world. I mean, there's this competition, it's not really the end of the world. But if they, they play the same way that they play against Iceland, against Denmark, they will beat. lose. They, yeah. They're going to be. Because, yeah. because Martin Braithwaite, as much as we make fun of him, uh, has got speed with him. Yusuf Paulson is an intelligent uh, hold-up player. So, yeah, I, they, they have to up their game against Denmark. But for me, Calvin Phillips to come in, definitely, and Jack Grealish to be there as well. <laughs> Wednesday, 2.45 a.m. kickoff, League A2, that one. Denmark against England, playing at the same time. The other two sides, Belgium against Iceland, also Wednesday, 2.45 a.m. Just very quickly run through the other games. France against Croatia is League A3 game. Then you've got Sweden against Portugal, both on Wednesday at 2.45 a.m. We're rapidly running out of time. No time to talk about Northern Ireland, who will host Norway in League B1. Um, yeah, that's about it. Um, there's anything to say? Uh, domestic football's here as well. Don't forget that. It's the IMB League of Super Malaysia. At the same time, there's all the international stuff going on. And then the league is starting. And uh, Wait, When's Malaysia in action again next, Des? Uh, it's next year now because uh, all the internationals have been put off. The under-19s have got an, an AFC tournament that they are preparing for in Uzbekistan. That's uh, later on in the year, later on in October. But the, the senior team, uh, they're, they're idle until uh, February of next year. I think the dates are for those AFC. So next year is a big year for AFC. There's extra dates to fit in because there's all these cancelled matches because there's qualifications for the World Cup and also for the uh, 2023 Asian Cup. Mm. And they've all got to fill in because they're one, two, three matches adrift. There's also AFC Champions League where Johan Darrell Taksim are in a group and those dates are coming up in October as well. So the football never stops locally and uh, on the AFC scene. 
Brilliant stuff. Many thanks to Des Corkill. Uh, thank you, Arvind Sidhu. Thank you, everyone. Enjoy the week. Can't wait for the Premier League to start. And thank you, Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody. Don't forget Premier League this weekend. Yep, and we'll preview it all for you on Friday's show. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. Off the Ball, every Monday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.